are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Online at BethanyNaz.org. So we're talking about the fact that sometimes life can be hard. But the really good news is that when life is hard, God is really good. So what about those times in your life when life is hard because of money? I found this prayer that a guy named Agar prays. Now, it's in the Proverbs, and you might think that Solomon wrote most of those, but Agar wrote some. So I've been really excited to show you this prayer and to get your reaction to it. So are you ready? You want to see it? So, so here we go. Here's, here's what it is from Proverbs. Agar says, give me neither poverty nor riches. All right? So God, don't let me be poor. But whatever you do, please, God, don't let me get rich. All right? You like that prayer? You want to pray that prayer with me right now? Give me neither poverty nor riches. Here's what he says. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. Now, notice he doesn't say my wants, just my needs. Now, here's why. For if I grow rich, I might deny you. I might even say, who is the Lord? Or, or, or maybe better translated, who needs God? Because I'm rich. And, and if I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. So, so he says, don't make me poor, but God, please don't make me rich because there's, there's problems going both directions. And so I thought maybe we might just kind of gather together this morning and in unison, I'll count to three and we're all just going to call out to God and we're going to pray this prayer together, okay? God, don't let me be poor, but whatever you do, God, please don't let me get rich. So I'll count to three and we'll pray this prayer together. You ready? Okay, one... You feel good about this? Two, are we all together or not? So is there anybody in the room saying, you know what, let me take a stab at getting rich. I'll see how well I can do with it, you know? I got a feeling some of you are just simply asking, well, rich compared to who or to what? I mean, how rich are we talking here? Because if you want to compare me to a guy who earns a annual salary of a million dollars a year, then yeah, I'm not rich. I don't think we can do that. I think we have to compare ourselves to everybody. And when I say everybody, I mean the 7 billion people who live on the planet. So let's, let's do that, okay? So did you know that 50% of the population of the world, they live on less than $2.50 a day? You understand that $75 a month that's less than $1,000 a year. Half of the people who live on this planet live on less every day than you spend on coffee or a soda. 80% of the population of the world live on less than $10 a day. That's $300 a month. That's less than $4,000 a year. And you might say, well, what does that look like when it's lived out in everyday life? Here's what it looks like. 25% of the population of the world, they live without electricity. They don't have electricity in their home. 
So do you remember when your electricity went out? You remember how difficult that was? You couldn't even watch television for heaven's sakes. But do you know that 25% of the population of the world has no electricity in their home? Once in a while, somebody will say to me, Hey, Pastor Rick, do you remember that statement you made about that room in your house? It's interesting how you say some things, and over the years, it just kind of sticks with people. And I said, yeah, I remember. I remember saying, we have this one room at my house. It's a really nice room. In fact, it might be the biggest room at my house. It's really nice. It has electricity. It's got plaster on the walls, and it's got a nice ceiling, and it's all painted, and the trim is painted a different color. And you know what we do with that room? In that room, we only put our cars. And I say the reason I said it was because I'd just gotten back from Southern Africa. And while I was in Southern Africa, I went into a lot of homes. But I didn't go into one home that was as nice as my garage. Here's what I'm trying to say. Uh-oh. I think we're already rich. I think it's too late if you don't want to get rich. In fact, I doubt that there's an exception in the room. Not only are all of you in the top 50%, I think all of you are in the top 20%. I think that all of you are wealthier than 80% of the population of the world. What I'm trying to say is, you're already rich. And the only reason you don't feel rich is because we tend to live to the edge of our means, but unfortunately, sometimes we live beyond our means. So you might be saying, what are, you, what are you trying to do, Rick? You want me to feel guilty because I'm rich? I mean, I didn't ask to be born in this country. Is that what you want? You want me to walk out here today? You want to make me feel guilty? Is that what you want to do? You're trying to throw a guilt trip at me? No, it's not what I'm trying to do at all. Here's what I'm trying to do. I want you to hear the heart of Agar. But also want you to hear the heart of James. And I'm going to be preaching from this passage in James this morning. And, and here's what their concern is. That you never come to the place that you have so much confidence in your wealth and your possessions. And you have so much trust in your wealth and your possessions that you finally one day say, who needs God? I think I'm doing pretty well without Him. And this is the bottom line this morning. This is it right here, okay? We are all, all of us, there are no exceptions in the room. We are all fully dependent on God. Everything that you have in your life has come from the hand of God. And without the hand of God giving you something, you don't have anything. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to really believe it. So why don't you do this? Why don't you grab a Bible and go with me to the book of James again this morning, chapter 1. I'm going to start reading with verse 9, and I'll read 9, 10, and 11, okay? James chapter 1, verses 9, 10, and 11. So James is writing to the first Christian community that has ever existed. These are the very first followers of Jesus. They've had to leave Jerusalem, and they've had to flee to other places because they are in danger of losing their lives. They have been suffering persecution because of their faith. 
And now they were living in poverty, but now they're living in greater poverty. How do you live if you're a refugee? What can you take with you when you leave your home? How much stuff do you have? And so here's what he says to them. He says, believers who are poor, well, you have something to boast about. For God has honored them. And those who are rich, and now he's talking to you. Every one of you here, and he's talking to me. Those of you who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. Now, what does he mean by humbled us? Or what does it mean to be humbled by God in regard to our wealth? He says, they will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers and the little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. So this is the word of God for us today. So I want you to do something with me, okay? I want you to, uh, to recite the Lord's Prayer with me. We won't recite the entire prayer. At some point, I'm going to stop you. But let's just begin at the beginning. And if you have it memorized, just join in, all of you, with a little bit of energy and recite the Lord's Prayer with me. The prayer that Jesus taught His disciples to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Stop there. Now I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But I'm asking you to answer the question in your heart. How many of you already today have asked God to give you the provisions of daily food. I mean, this is how Jesus said, I want you to pray, right? So let me, let me ask another question. How many of you, sometime during this past week, you said, God, I'm going to ask you for something. I'm going to ask you to give me and my family our provisions. Because I think it's more than just about food. I think it's about food and shelter and personal needs. How many of you have prayed that prayer? See, I think some of you might say, I haven't prayed that prayer this week. And here's why. Because I struggle to ask God for bread. In fact, at our house, we're trying to eat less bread. We're going keto. You know what I mean? So, so... Honestly, Rick, we got lots of food. I, I'm not praying for more food. I mean, I'm trying to lose some weight. I want some, you know, less food. But, but I don't want to bother God for food because here's the deal. I, I think I can get the food. I mean, I've got a good job. I make money. I'll buy the food. I'll talk to God about other things. And here's what happens. We're tempted to believe. We're tempted to believe that we can provide for our own needs. We're tempted to begin to believe that I can provide for myself. And do you understand that the reason Jesus said to pray this prayer every day 
is so that you will be reminded every day that every good thing that comes into my life, I don't provide, God provides. And I won't have anything else coming into my life if God decides not to provide anymore. Because I am fully dependent on God. Now think about the context, okay? James is writing to this Roman world, and in the Roman Empire, about 90% of the people lived in poverty. That's a large number. 90% of the people lived in poverty, a little more than in the world today overall, okay? We said 80% a moment ago in the whole world. And so these 90% of the people living in poverty felt there was virtually no way to climb out of this poverty that I'm in. I'm just poor, and I'm always going to be poor. And here's what else. The rich keep lording it over me, and they take advantage of my poverty. And in the mind of a person in that day, there was no way that a rich person could be a Christian. And so James writes to these people who are living as refugees, who were already poor and now have had to run for their lives to other countries, living in even greater poverty. And you know why? Because one day they heard about a guy named Jesus. And they begin to believe this really good news about Jesus. That Jesus would forgive you of your sins. <laughs> that you could lay your head on your pillow at night and you would have no guilt whatsoever. You would feel fully forgiven and as white as snow like Tasha talked about in her story a moment ago. And they believed that you could be part of this kingdom of God that Jesus was establishing on earth. This kingdom that was unlike any kingdom in this world. Where that people loved one another and accepted one another and cared for one another. And you could be a citizen of this kingdom. And so they said, whatever it costs us, we're going to follow Jesus. Because we love Jesus and we want Jesus in our lives. And we want to tell others about Jesus. And Jesus means more to us than anything else in the world. Lean in. Listen to this, okay? Jesus means even more to us than money. And if following Jesus means I'll become a little more poor, then I'll become a little more poor because Jesus is worth more than money to me. Wow. What's worth more than money in your life today? We always get to this place. And the place that we're at now is so, what is, what is God's Word calling me to? I, uh, I travel on occasion to a little country in southern Africa called Swaziland, and um, I think you know that we have an after-school program here in this community. It just meets in the building just to the west of us. And in our Family Life Center, 250 children show up every day. It's free to our community. You can drop your kids here at 3 o'clock and pick them up at 6. We'll take care of them. We'll tutor them some. We'll give them a snack to eat. Did, did you know that also in Swaziland we have after-school programs? We call them child development centers. And so kids come after school, and, and they spend several hours and they get some tutoring, and they get a hug, and they get some good Jesus 
information, and they get a meal. So I brought a couple of pictures with me. Here's one. My last trip to Swaziland, and you can see there's Brighton and Jacob and um, I'm trying to think of names, Sam, and there's Austin, I think, and probably Brady in that picture. And that line was much longer when it started, but they're standing in line, and you can see in their bowl they get beans and rice, okay, a scoop of beans, a scoop of rice, they eat it with their fingers. Some of them go off by themselves. It becomes a kind of a serious moment. They're laughing, they're playing, but when the food shows up, they get quiet, they sit down and they eat. Some of them save a little bit of it and they take it home with them. You know who buys that food? You do. It's a significant meal in their lives. Jacob, you remember being there that day, Brighton? It was a powerful moment for us. Let me tell you something. In that particular community, these are poor people. Now, now James is saying, when you're in their station in life, you don't struggle with some of the things we're struggling with. They're not tempted to become arrogant and begin to believe, I can provide for myself. It's okay, God, I got this. I'll take care of the bread. In fact, he he says it like this. He says, believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. But then he moves, but those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. So while, you know, here it feels like he's comforting the people who are poor, which he is, he's trying to say to those who are living as refugees, you know, In some ways, you're in a good place because you understand it. You get it. You don't need nobody to, you don't need anybody, I'm sorry about that double negative, to teach you that you need God. You realize you need God. But those of you who are rich, sometimes God has to humble us. So what does that look like? And so I'm going along through my life and and I kind of begin to feel a little bit haughty and I kind of feel like, I think I want to run things for a while, God. And I think I'm just going to put you on the shelf over here. And I'm going to do things the way I want to do them a little bit. If you just kind of stand to the side. I don't know that right now, God, I need you like I once thought I needed you. I think I'm doing pretty good for myself. And so, God, you just go over here and I'm going to take control for a while. And then God humbles us. A relationship falls apart. A boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up with me. I go to the doctor and I get a diagnosis that, man, I was not expecting that. Financial crisis hits my family. Somebody I love just goes off the rails. Starts making bad decisions. And what happens? God, what was I thinking? How foolish of me to think that I could put you on the shelf and that I could do okay on my own. God, I'm sorry. And you go running back to God. 
I think that's what it looks like. See, I think it would be understandable if you say today, Rick, what is, what is the Scripture calling me to? What is the Scripture asking of me? Am I supposed, because I'm rich, and you made it clear, I'm rich, I got it, but am I supposed to now go sell everything I have and just give it all away to the poor? Is that what God is asking me to do? Is that what I'm being called to? That's what God asked of one guy. I don't think that's what God is asking in this passage. I think in this passage it's really clear. It's really simple. God is saying, hey, rich people, whatever you do, don't put your trust in your wealth. Don't put your confidence in your riches and your possessions. Don't put your hope in what you can earn and keep. Put your trust in God. Now, here's why. I, um, I remember living in Kansas City when my wife and I met, first got married. And uh, we went to a church there, and on Sunday nights, uh, technology was just booming in those days, and they had uh, VHS tapes, okay? And, uh, and there was a series that came out from a, a group called Focus on the Family, a guy named Jim Dobson, and it was called... Turn your hearts toward home. And we watched it every Sunday night for like eight weeks in a row. Anybody remember that? Anybody my age in the room? There's, okay, three of you. And so, um, so Jim Dobson tells this awesome story. He says, one night, whole family was home. And we're going to have family night. We eat dinner, and what are we going to do next? And the kids want to play a board game. And so they choose the game Monopoly. He said it was awesome because I hadn't played Monopoly in years. And so we're playing Monopoly, and he said, I'm, uh, I'm loving it, and, and I'm starting to win. Um, I'm acquiring a lot of land and property, hotels and money, and, uh, and my competitive spirit is really kicking in. And so now I'm starting to flaunt my wealth a little bit. I've got, like, Monopoly cash sticking behind my ear. It's popping out of my shirt pocket. I'm even stuffing in the loafers of my shoes, you know. And... Uh, and I have a little bit of that spirit, I'll be honest with you. Like if we, if we play a game at our house and there's a scorecard and I win, I'm probably going to tape that to the refrigerator, right? <laughs> so he says, I'm such a bad winner that, um, that my kids, when the game is over and I've won, they get up and my wife gets up with them and says, you're, you're terrible. You, you should... You put the game up by yourself. We're going to bed. And they all walked out of the kitchen. And there I sat at my kitchen table. Jim Dobson says, and I start getting all the money in the right denominations and sorting things and putting it back in the box and the pieces and the board I'm folding. And as I'm putting it all back in the box, he said, I begin to feel as empty inside as I have ever felt in my whole life. And it seemed to me that God said to me in that moment, Jim, if you will listen to me, I will teach you a lesson. That's what life is like. You get to sit at the table for a little while. But at some point, it comes to an end. And when it comes to an end... Everything that you've acquired, every dollar, every piece of property, 
every possession, it all goes back in the box. And when you walk away from the table, you take nothing with you when you go. Nothing. You work and you save and you acquire and you build and you gain. And finally, when you walk away from the table, you take nothing with you. Every last dollar goes back in the box. Do you understand? That's what James is saying to you and to me. That wealth is temporary. It is not permanent. In fact, let me use his words. I think they're more clear. They'll fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises, the grass withers, the little flower droops and falls, and its beauty fades away. And then here's the big line that he drops. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. So Palestine, where James lived, was mostly desert, scorching sun, A rain would come. A little shoot of grass would shoot up through the ground. Tender. One day in the scorching sun, it's gone. He's saying that's that's riches. That's wealth. It's temporary stuff, folks. So if that doesn't last forever, what does last forever? Isaiah helps us with that. I love his words. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of our God endures forever. Okay, I'm going to end with these words, okay? I'm I'm 56. I've been saying I'm 57, and my wife finally said the other day, hey, stop saying you're 57, you're 56. So, I'm 56. I don't know how many more years I have, no, no clue. But as I come to the end of my life one day, and, and if I get to know it, if I, if I have the the gift of knowing that it's coming to an end. In other words, the doc's saying, I've got, I've got days here. Girls, daddy's getting ready to check out. This is about it right here. Whenever that time comes for me, I cannot, you hear me? I cannot, cannot. I cannot get to that place in my life and say, what was I thinking What have I done? I put my hope and my trust and my confidence in the wrong thing. And right now, all of that stuff that I have, it's gone. I leave it here. I walk away and I take none of it with me. Oh, no way. There is no way in the world I'm going to let that happen to me. i got to put my trust in what will last through eternity. God in His Word. So when I talked about this practice while ago of uh, serving, another practice is living generously. When you start opening your hands and letting it go and giving it away, God God is going to change you. I tell people that every time I write a check to give to somebody, God makes me less greedy. And the reason you and I can now live generously is because we're not our providers. (laughs) It's not up to me to provide. God is my provider. And God's going to take care of me. So you know what? I can give. I can give to you. So maybe today, 
God's talking to you about your attitude of generosity and the way you view money. So I sat at my little desk at home this morning praying, praying about how that we could end our time together here. And, and I, just, I just couldn't get away from saying, you want to stand with me? From saying, I think we need to pray before we go. So you can pray where you are. I promise you, God will hear you from right there. You can also feel free to come and pray. We have these altars. doesn't mean you become a member of the church. just means you've come to pray. Okay, so anybody is welcome to come and pray. There will be a pastor over here on this side, and there will be a pastor over here who will be glad to pray with you. So if you feel like God's speaking to you through the Word this morning, and you want to pray, I encourage you to come and pray. Feel free to. Um, maybe... Maybe there's some folks in the room this morning who says, Rick, I want to pray today, but it's, it's for another reason. I have watched God provide for me year after year out of His gracious hand. I've not wanted for anything. Miraculously, I've just watched God come through and take care of me and provide for me. And this morning, I want to pray, but it's because I just want to say thanks. I feel extremely grateful in my heart because God continues to give me good gifts. And I feel like I need to thank Him for it this morning. So you can pray about that if you like. Or maybe you've come to church today, but honestly, it was hard to focus on the sermon because you're going through some challenging times and you want to come and pray about that come if you want to come as a family come or if you want to pray for somebody that you love but here's where i really got hung up at home this morning okay i don't know what all god is doing here today and i don't know the stories of everybody who walks into this room and the services that we do here but i gotta wonder if there's somebody saying those people that you talked about who left their homes to follow Jesus, who lived in abject poverty to follow Jesus. What in the world do they know that I don't know? And what is it about Jesus that I need in my life? And so this morning, if you want to come to know Jesus, if you want to be forgiven of sin, if you want to be a part of this kingdom that Jesus is establishing on earth, the kingdom of God, you you can do that today. Or if you want to talk to one of these pastors... I I don't know that I'm ready to do that, but I want to talk to somebody about what it means or how would I start that process. I really, 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 really encourage you to come and just say to one of these pastors, hey, I, I think I want to know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be forgiven of sin. Could we, could we talk about that? There's no pressure at all on our part. We're just here to answer any question that you have and to try to encourage you in any way that we can. And so let me tell you, if that's where you're at today, I just feel a heaviness inside of me. It's a good heaviness that says, I don't want to leave without giving you that opportunity. Even if you catch one of us after the service, we're okay with that. But maybe you want to talk to somebody about, I want to begin that journey, that process. I want to know more. I need Jesus. So we're going to sing. If you want to pray, come and pray.
You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.